0: Hi everybody, I'm Ravi. This is the Digital Health
1: Experience. Let's go.
2: Welcome to the Digital Health Experience.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Digital Health Experience with me Ravi and Iqbal.
0: Iqbal, yes. Yes. Hi guys, is it, well, again, uh, one of the regulars of this podcast? Yeah, I almost forgot your, mo- your name for
1: a moment, considering you're a, a regular. I'll that, that, back.
0: That, that my feelings a little bit. That's um, fine. But I'm hoping there's a digital outlet somewhere that can help you with that. <laughs> emotional feelings, and not
1: just yeah. my health. Is anyone working on any kind of like... Feelings apps, because uh, that will be a great guinea pig for you to try them out on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, on today's show, we have a really interesting interview with Sandeep Bansal, the CEO of Medic Bleep. Um, and yeah, really insightful. We're going to talk all about getting into the NHS, funding, um, the risks of technology.
0: Pros and cons, yeah. Yeah,
1: the pros and cons. And yeah. Um, yeah hopefully you get a chance to learn a bit more about sandeep and the, the great work that he's doing um so without further ado, here's the interview hi sonny it's great to speak to you how have you been
2: good thank you how are you guys
1: yeah not too bad thanks uh, excited to do the uh the interview today um well yeah i think it's best to start with a few introductions so uh, I, I guess the best person to introduce yourself is you so do you want to give us a bit of background
2: Oh gosh. Um, yeah, sure. So I'm a doctor by background. Um, I had the pleasure of working with yourself at Milton Keynes Hospital.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I actually. I was in um, yeah. dispensary services Right, for well. a couple of years. Yeah. So uh, common, uh, common background there.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I have a GP training by back- background. Um, and um, I, I guess my family background is running nursing homes and social care.
1: Sure. So uh, healthcare has always been like an integral part of, of what you've, you've been about then, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then obviously in 2013, towards the end, I set up um, what is now Medic Creations.
1: Okay. And um, for like our listeners out there, um, what what is Medic Creations? Because obviously it's a, a big step away from, you know, your day-to-day um, kind of Undertaking ward rounds and your normal doctor duties. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting to to hear a bit more about what Medications is exactly from from the CEO.
2: Yeah, so medicrations is a health tech company. We're trying to um, add value to the to the world of health and social care um, by bringing about efficiency. Um, but that's that's essentially what medicrations is. Is and our very first product, which is which we're taking to the market at the moment is Medic MedicBleep. Um, and essentially it's replacing the pager with an instant communication solution um, across, um, not just across trust, but also across um, you know the entire kind of social and healthcare sector. So right the way from nursing homes and care homes all the way through up to GP practices. Um, your your remote workers that you know your workers that go out in the community right the way up to secondary and tertiary tertiary care hospitals
1: sure that sounds like it could be really helpful we both work in hospitals yeah
0: absolutely so sandy is this um so it's replacing pages um and using smartphones presumably as the device
2: yeah it, it uses either people's own smartphone devices if if they have that that and actually want to use that, which, um, of course, quite a few um, professionals aren't quite comfortable with at the moment. I think it's just a process of change. Mm. Um, So it works on trust-owned devices as well. So usually they might buy an iPod Touch or the desktops and the workstations that we all have. Um, um, It works on that as well.
1: Sure. Okay. And from um, a trust point of view, did you find it difficult to... uh... To get kind of onboarding from trusts with kind of uh, clinicians or, or any kind of healthcare professional using their own device. Because obviously, that's maybe in the future where we we'll end up getting to using your own devices because you know them very well in, intimately, so you can get to what you need quicker. But I suppose, from like an information governance point of view, there must have been a few kind of alarm signals.
2: Yeah, I think obviously your, your software, if you're going to do it on bring your own device, you have to go through plenty of hoops around security and, and governance. Sure, sure. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know if bring your own device is one hundred percent the way that healthcare is going to go in the future. What okay. I about is, I'm very cognizant of is over notification. Um, so, you know, essentially, on our own devices, we've got Twitter, you know, we've got WhatsApp, Instagram. God knows how many other apps we've got on our product on our devices, and um, potentially if they're also pinging and notifying whilst you're looking at a medic bleep message, you might just just subconsciously um, have a quick look at your WhatsApp message, and you know there's studies out there which suggest that that takes away some of some of your cognitive functions. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So we're very cognizant, you know, that potentially this isn't going to be the longer term strategy uh, for across the health and social care environment. Um, But at the moment, when funds are so tight within NHS and to help it digitise, we see this as a stepping stone.
0: Yeah. Sandip, can I ask, um, where where did he come up with the idea? Was there a particular moment? Was there you know, a certain struggle you had in a hospital where you're thinking, I need a solution here? Gosh, I think
2: it happened over time, but, you know, I was working orthopaedics in Milton Keynes, actually, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, my consultant asked me to share an x-ray uh, through WhatsApp, because uh, he was at home, and essentially, to open up theatres, I, I and to book the patient in for theatre, at that time of night, I think it was like two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, and, um you know, he didn't have access to to the PAX um, stuff at home and so he just wanted to see the x-ray before I go ahead and, you know, get theatres to open up in the emergency at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and he asked me to share the image across via WhatsApp um, uh, and that was of course an alarm bell um, at that point.
0: Yeah, I imagine he didn't feel very comfortable taking that picture and...
2: No, you can mask the information, right? You try and hide the information, of course, um, but you still feel uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: absolutely, I think it's WhatsApp is, you know, it's used a lot throughout trusts, whether it's just conversations between pharmacists, like we know, or doctors or ward staff. So, yeah, I think everyone can kind of relate to feeling slightly uncomfortable when using like WhatsApp or something for probably more professional work. Um, sadly, now you, you, we obviously know about the idea now. Uh, I mean, when did you decide that actually this could be something that people find really useful, and then what kind of steps did you take to you know obviously get to where you are now? Is there any like particular moments or key milestones that you um you kind of had in your mind when you're first starting off?
2: yeah, i mean I, I did a survey of uh, i think it, it went out almost to about two thousand doctors in the end who responded to my survey around WhatsApp use and how many of them actually do use it to share patient data. Yeah. Um, and this is, you've got to remember, back in 2013, you know, towards September. So we're talking five years back now and 75% admitted to using um, using WhatsApp to share patient data at that point. Um, and I don't really blame them, you know, they're just trying to do the best for their patients at the end of the day. Um, but I, I realise that actually there there is a value proposition here, um, and and the reason that they're they're utilising it is because it's obviously a lot faster than their current technologies, uh, such as pages. Um, are you know the pages are of course one-way communication, mm. uh, and uh, and that can be painfully slow, and you're sometimes trying to find a phone that's available or sometimes trying to get through to a line which incidentally is busy. Um, so so there's a lot of uh, blockages in, in that communication
1: process. Sure, sure. Uh, and so like uh, MedicBeep will be able to not only just send <clears throat> text messages um, but also these kind of images and, and so forth. So, do you, does the, the app have the kind of capability to hide patient information and things like that? Um, I think it might be really interesting for our, our doctors or about any kind of healthcare professional listening to know what kind of you know functionality they can they can get out of this thing because it seems amazing. Me and Nick Bell were, were going through it before, mm-hmm. and we were on your uh, your website. Um, it's mediccreations.com Is that right? Yeah. Uh, MedicBleep is probably the one that you'll land on. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so when we were going through that, it, it seemed like to tick all the boxes. But have you got like a like a specific user case that you often use as an example?
2: Um, yeah, so we we've done actually done we've got a peer review journal um, article coming out in February, I think, um, and that was essentially a time and motion study around uh, the tasks that doctors and nurses do. Um, literally following around, you know, we didn't do that obviously, it was um, medical students and nursing students that did this study, following around doctors and nurses um, with the current processes, i.e. pages and switchboard um, and landlines, um, jotting down the tasks that they did, how long it took them to do and then um, how long that, you know, the full loop of communication took. and what we are able to show is that for every single nurse, every single shift, we can save 21 minutes. Um, and for every single junior doctor, what I mean by that is from F1 up to ST2, um, so not not the proper definition of a junior doctor, all the way up to ST8, which um, which which is a proper definition. But we can save 48 minutes every single shift. Wow!
0: Wow! So um, like that. That's just quite a valuable time, I imagine for you guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the kind of robustness that I believe any software technology company or technology company should should have, um, because it's not just about the technology, right? It's about what well, actually are you adding real benefit in those processes and those workflows. Yeah, right. Um, so, for example, we took the discharge process down from twenty-seven steps to thirteen steps. Um, Previously, it had five wait periods in it, and then we took it down to one wait period. So what we're doing is, you know, being able to discharge people quicker, you know, i.e., before midday, which is the key targets that obviously NHS has, um, a, a you know, a lot more patients.
1: Yeah, just increasing throughput efficiencies, right. and yeah, and also working a lot more effectively because you're not going back and forth. Like you said, you're cutting down the steps. So you're getting the information that you need kind of when you need it, as opposed to this back and forth, back and forth kind of thing. Um, Quick question there. I'm I'm talking about going into hospitals and things like that. In terms of um, things like infrastructure, because I'm guessing this will... Is it a a, a Wi Fi based um, communication tool or, or like five G? Because obviously infrastructure within the hospital, you know, whether you get phone signal, whether they have the the Wi Fi capabilities and things like that, um, mm-hmm. was that kind of an issue, or do you do you imagine it to be an issue?
2: Yeah, I mean we've we've obviously spoken to a lot of trusts, you know, and I've kind of got a readiness pack uh, to understand if they're ready and what it's going to take them to be ready. Before we really go in, yeah. Um, and of course, one of the key things is is their infrastructure. I would be um, not a great supplier um, and company <laughs> if I didn't advise them that you know the clinical risk here is significant. If, for example, a message doesn't get through to the right person at the right time um, due to you know a massive black spot in their Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, I mean, we don't we don't implement before such um, infrastructure is in place.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, Sandip, do you have on your app? Is there some kind of priority system? Do you have certain messages that come up, say, bright red, saying this is something that has to be dealt with straight away, and there's less priority messages?
2: We haven't implemented prioritization at the moment, um, <laughs> but that's obviously something that's very close um in in the roadmap
0: okay
1: now um shifting slightly towards the uh business side of things sandeep i've had the the pleasure of following you throughout your, your journey up until now um and you uh worked your socks off and managed to get some um some funding from some major players now i'm not sure if i'm allowed to say names and such forth but um what was that whole experience like because we're seeing a a massive increase in things like crowd uh, crowdfunding and things Mm -hmm. but you went um a a different route um and you were obviously successful and for you know other innovators out there who are looking to maybe create a business get funding etc you know what were the experiences and do you have any advice
2: yeah i mean i've been fortunate that the initial funding, you know, um, my family were able to put in this kind of seed or angel angel investment, if you will, I guess, to to get this going. Um, and then after that, we've we've raised more seed seed capital before we go for a proper series A. Um, I think the biggest advice I can give is, don't get too much funding too early um, because that puts different pressures on you.
0: Um, Sandy, can I just quickly ask, um, I personally don't know, I'm sure some of our listeners don't, Series A. Could you just quickly expand on that, the meaning of it?
2: Yeah, sure. It, it's just it's just um, different. It's a nomenclature for a round of funding. So, you know, Series A typically is anything between, you know, a couple of million pounds to, I think, five or 10 million pounds. I think Babylon did a raise of 20 million dollars um, for a series A it's just a round of investment okay sorry as you were yeah sorry where where were we Yes I, I, so advice, advice for people um, yes you know seeking investment I'd say don't take too much investment too early um, because that puts a lot of pressure on you for growth um, yeah. and Especially if you're innovating within the healthcare space, we don't typically see those kind of hockey stick growth curves. And if you're under that pressure to deliver that kind of growth, then you cut corners in many aspects, which um, longer term probably come back to bite. Um, So, you know, if I'm under pressure to deliver for my investors um, a 10x return in three to five years, and I've taken on, you know, a lot of funding. Um, you've got to get a certain number of trusts on board, right? or a so, certain number of users, for example. Um, and and you might you you might cut corners in your clinical safety cases or the way you implement and deliver deliver the projects.
1: yeah, definitely. I, I think that's a really good point actually to to almost. Be a bit more realistic because you started your your this journey. You said i um, almost five years ago, probably more than five years ago now, and um, and and you're in. Is it two trusts, one trust at the moment? Uh, you did your testing recently, so that's you know a space of five years. They've kind of had to continually develop and grow, and also be realistic with your um, with your shareholders, I guess
2: yeah we we pivoted. you know, so what I mean by pivot is um we, we changed direction in terms of we were going b to c initially. What I mean by b to c is business to consumer. Um, and essentially, we were trying to give medic Leap to the end users directly. yeah. Um, and we very quickly realized that that model just does not work. And actually that's not something that we really want to do either. So it doesn't work for many reasons, which are governance, you know. <laughs> so if you start getting downloads from organizations where you haven't got data privacy, um, as, you know, agreements with or data sharing agreements in place with and clinical safety cases, actually then you're not covering the clinicians at that point. But also if half the organization has a solution like Bleep and the other half doesn't, Um, You start to introduce confusion within the organization. Yeah. What channel am I meant to use for Mm. this process or this pathway? Um, And that's a significant risk to our patients. Yeah. So we shut that model down um, and we went completely B2B. This is January 17 that we took that direction. And we started to reimagine ourselves like a pharmaceutical company. So what does a pharmaceutical company need to do? So you're a pharmacist, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I try to be. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) But, um, you know, what do pharmaceuticals need to do to sell a drug into the NHS? They need to do, you know, your phase one, phase two, three and four clinical trials, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's how I started to look at technology. And I said, look, you know, what's my... Phase three clinical trial look like with Medic Bleep. Mm. So then I approached West Suffolk. They love to work with us. And so we did a pilot. And that's what's being published um, in, in February those results, the 21 minutes and the 48 minutes. Um, okay. so that's our phase three clinical trial. And of course, our phase four is when we go whole trust wide, which we complete um, very shortly.
1: And is that still a, um, the same hospital, or did you manage to? It's all so, yes, yes. Oh, fantastic! That's brilliant. Um, now, that's that's all kind of blown our minds. I think really, <laughs> I mean, Bell's got a very glazed look on his face right now. But um, I wanted to ask you, Sandy. Let's let's talk about the future. Let's talk um, healthcare. You know, maybe twenty twenty five years down the line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What uh, I mean, I'm sure you, as a healthcare innovator, you've probably had some thoughts about. What you would like to see it as uh care to share any of those kind of points with us yeah i mean the like to see and the reality are two different things right yeah (laughs) hence why the the question was framed in that way absolutely shall
2: shall i be a bit more realistic what i actually think is achievable in 25 years at least for the nhs
1: yeah go on i think that might be a good place to start yeah Yeah. yeah. i mean
2: you know I, i We've seen the five year forward be pushed back, right? From yeah, I think paperless 2018 to 2020 to 2023 to 2025. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to be a bit more realistic just having been in this space, yeah. Um, so by 20, you know, you're saying 20 years, right? So we're in 2019, so 2039, I think we're going to have completely open APIs finally,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so that. Um, I think your listeners, I imagine, do they know about open APIs and interoperability?
0: No, I think it's worth explaining,
2: please. Right. So essentially, data um, isn't always um, easily available. Um, so if MedicBleep needs to work with, let's say, Cerner, it's not easily accessible to to get that patient data. And uh,
1: Cerner is um, an EPMA
2: if, system, isn't um, it?
1: Yeah, look, I, yeah, I think.
2: You guys are rolling that out right now, right? At Milton Keynes?
1: Uh, yeah, I think they've they've had rollout back in March. I don't work there anymore, but yeah, we have still got they, friends um, there. And oh, it, right.
0: It's been pushed back quite a lot. I think they're about to go live fully. Okay. okay. But um, I think that might get pushed back again. If I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> And so other ePMA systems
1: are available, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I, I just use it as an example, apologies. Yeah, yeah, of course, no, yeah. no problem.
2: I'm not endorsing Cerner. <laughs> yeah,
1: you have to be careful what you say, but um, yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah, so if you need to interact, you know, if let's say MedicBleak needs to get some patient information out, just like their name and their date of birth from their MRN number, um, so we need to exchange um, some code um, and those, you know, the code through which that is transferred is called an API, basically. Um, so open APIs would mean that all the data is easily accessible in the same format to everyone across across the world of healthcare, which would be great to have that kind of infrastructure, because at the moment it's just so disparate and it's so siloed off and in you know systems which are proprietary and yeah. nobody else can get access to.
1: And do you think that's something that needs to, uh, I mean, um, I think of Matt Hancock, he uh, recently introduced NHSX. Yeah, um, well, he hasn't and, introduced that yet. Well, he, well, I mean, introduced it in terms of told people about it, I guess. Right. Um, and is that the kind of responsibility of the NHS to create these, like a, a, the standard or, or the open API kind of? or yeah. is it within companies to for the good of patient healthcare
2: i think it's both but i i think the infrastructure on which you know essentially the exchange that information exchange should be created by department of health or nhs yeah yeah um and then the innovators should be building on top of that platform
1: absolutely that's something we spoke about in our last in our last podcast mm. about having that kind of standard that everyone can, can plug and play. Because I think the power of data is um, is is just huge now, I think. And, and down to a consumer level, when um, you know, uh, Tom, Dick or Harry use their phones, they can really see how services are being improved through the use of big data and you know careful analysis and modelling. Um, and I suppose we're kind of hopeful about that in the NHS as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think we'll get there. You know, I think, like you say, if there's the right push from from the top, um, Mr. Hancock seems to, to you know, in, in the in the strategy documents that him and his advisors, like Hadley Beeman are producing, seem to be saying the right things. Um, but then you think, you know, what, for example, the NHS app, I think is brilliant, but surely where the energy should have gone is um, is on the in, in that infrastructure.
1: Definitely I agree yeah because I think there's plenty of innovators out there um, like yourselves who've worked in hospitals before and have great ideas and and ways you know that they've experienced themselves that that can make lives for other people in similar positions easier you know you mentioned the, the point about that x-ray and I'm sure you're not alone in that scenario and um, and I guess what makes it really difficult is for that data and, and, and those apps to be really passed around, pushed and implemented within the NHS. Um, and I think that is a key problem with the infrastructure, and I guess that kind of relates and, and ties in quite nicely with, you know, the whole Wi Fi single issue, the infrastructure is probably a little bit more um, varied and, and probably encompasses a lot more than what we would tend to think of it as, as encompassing, maybe um, things like servers, versus cloud and things like that. It, it makes a, a massive difference to both, you know, the, the end user, which would be the hospital and the people creating, which would be you. So any kind of direction um, would be much appreciated.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, these days, Amazon and, you know, Microsoft are doing some great work around like serverless architecture, right? mm. where you don't even have to manage your own, own development operations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why are we not leveraging these kind of technologies? You know, um, and this is the kind of uh, you know the infrastructure which NHS should just say, look, this is our cloud p- platform. Um, here's the Wi-Fi to enable that. Here's the APIs for access to the PASs and all the patient data that you need, demographics, etc. You go ahead and build up on top. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, now, Sandy. Final question, I think. Um, in a in a risk adverse health uh, healthcare sector, um, cool. I mean, there's the the kind of argument that goes back and forth between you know, the risk of technologies um, and the benefits of technology. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, in the short term, let's say the next five years, um, mm-hmm. what do you think those those risks and benefits are? And um, how do you think we can better encourage or maybe um, increase the adoption of technology uh within the nhs
2: um okay well i think some of the risks are we look at technology as very much like silicon valley look at technology um which is you know you shove in 10 million dollars um and you get the hockey stick curve right yeah which we've already talked about yeah and that doesn't happen you know um that that's one risk because you start to run safety risks, and you know I've seen multiple threads, um for example, on some chatbots that are patient facing. Um, Doctor Murphy comes to my mind uh, on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you've seen those kind of threads at all.
1: Oh, I'll have to have a little look into those. I think maybe we'll post yeah. uh, a couple of links to them. But yeah, I haven't seen them myself.
2: Well, <laughs> they make interesting reading, and you can see the kind of pressures raising 60 million or $70 million does (laughs) start pushing out, you know, very prematurely the technology. Yeah. Um, And and that's a risk, you know, that's a major risk um, when you're saying that actually your diagnosis is as good as a GP, but well, clearly it's not from, from all of those beautiful threads that Dr. Murphy produces. It's, um, uh, I think it's smoke and mirrors and and we've seen that with Toranos already as well, you know mm-hmm. I think they reached a $9 billion valuation before they tanked <laughs> and, and had to shut down and I think there's going to be quite a few companies um, that do go by the wayside because they haven't got the robust evidence behind what they're doing Sure. and they just raise a lot of capital um, and then can't fulfil um, the outcomes secondly I think you know, the companies that will get it right will be value-based or outcomes-based. So what I mean by that is the payment modeling will have to change um, in the NHS. So it's not just gonna be a transactional, here's a soft piece of software and here's the SaaS pricing, you know, so software as a service yeah. pricing at, you know, X pounds per user per month. What it will be is, well, how many heart attacks did it prevent? what does one heart attack cost the system? If it costs the system 10,000 pounds and you prevented one of those, well, okay, your reward for that is 10,000 divided by X. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the way the healthcare model needs to go. And that will then really help you understand who are the true um, companies um, that are actually being able to deliver um, for the system and who aren't.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense, and I suppose that kind of um, answers my, what was going to be my my next final question. But in the sense that um, <clears throat> patient data and things like that, um, and like the misuse of it, if if you have kind of that value proposition where you are saying we are going to prevent this, this, and this, I suppose the um, the need or the perhaps the the drive to misuse data by unscrupulous companies um, kind of goes by the wayside because both the NHS and companies themselves will be completely focused on delivering value and that value is then turned into profits which which grow the companies. So um, there's a lot of stuff that you explained probably way better than me and Eckfalke. Yeah, so I open
0: my eyes a lot. Yeah. opened your eyes, Iqbal. Um To be honest, I... I you don't really see a like the whole um bleeper system yeah I, I never i never have to use it personally yeah um but this app i could see myself using it because i feel like i would feel a lot more connected to everyone in the hospital right yeah. right because uh, i mean in spencer especially we don't we just communicate with each other face to face but every now and then we have to get a hold of the pharmacist get hold of doctors and that's when it gets a little bit difficult um but the thing about smartphones is that everyone can have one even if it is a trust ones right and yeah it's um yeah it's really opened my eyes up to the possibilities of what we can do with with this app yeah because forgive it like it's it's a it's a beautifully
1: simple idea isn't it yeah basically have a app that makes it simple enough to contact anyone that you need at any particular moment and it's almost one of those moments where you sit back and you go why didn't anyone else think of that beforehand? Because we've had WhatsApp for like 10, 15 years, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to this stage, but then, you know, I think you did a good job in kind of showing the amount of work that has to go into creating the evidence base that then kind of sets you apart from everything else. And I think that is going to be really interesting for the innovators amongst our audience um, to kind of get involved with and, and understand, all right, if I'm going to create my own business, these are the points that I need to hit. But at the same time, drawing from their own experience within healthcare. I think we got those points across, well mm. you've got those points across really well Sandy.
2: I, I think evidence base is is critical right, I mean uh, we're clinicians right, I mean how do we buy, right, it, yeah, it's from evidence isn't it? Yeah. Um, we're not just going to give our patients a drug right, because the pharmaceutical tells us it's wonderful, right, and because they've drank their own cooling. We yeah. give it to our patients because we genuinely believe that they have a 60% chance of recovering from a condition if they take this, you know, toxic thing, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think software needs to be very much looked at that, you know, maybe not so much what we're doing, although it feeds into our business modeling, but especially the AI stuff and especially digital therapeutics right yeah um but what what this added for me was that i could be really strong in my business model and say Mm -hmm. i know that i can release this much cash for you yeah Yeah. it's not just a guesstimate like i know i can do this right because of the robust evidence Mm. and that that is a very different position to be in from most technology companies right now
0: yeah for sure right Uh, sandy can i quickly ask um digital healthcare apps like yourself, do you guys feel pressure to get it right at the beginning? Just so you don't lose the faith of the patients, the the government, you know, the funding. Do you feel like you feel that pressure to, to, to you know basically yeah, that, get it right? Yeah.
2: I, I think, you know, you've got to see how slow my journey has been or that's how it felt, right? I mean, it's definitely felt really painfully slow. Um, And that's only because you do need to get it right, you know, Um, because you've got people's lives at risk. Absolutely. And that's not a joke. Right. So let's talk about this. So, you know, this is you can put it on if you want or, or not. I don't mind. Right. So. If we take away pages from an organization, right. Do you realize the responsibility that we have as a company at that point? We are their only comms methodology. Mm. What if our server, for whatever reason, goes down? Yeah. Yeah. What if their Wi-Fi goes down for whatever reason?
1: And are these things that you've all got contingency plans in place yeah, for that yeah. you have to present to the hospitals and things like that?
2: Well, you know, the hospital weren't even thinking about it, and I had to make them think that you do realize you have no comms channel if you've taken away your pages, right? You only have mm. us and we're reliant on your Wi-Fi. So let me bring in some partners that can help us <laughs> back all of this up just in case.
1: Yeah. And right. like assess where the, the the hospital needs to get to, like you said, um with the, yeah. the readiness kind of stuff. What's what's next for you, Sandeep? So I mean in every kind of facet of your life. Have you got anything interesting coming up? What's what's uh what's a day in the life of Sandeep look like?
2: Oh it's highly stressful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next five weeks, I'm just really mostly on site at West Suffolk delivering the project, right? um And it's the f- fun part of the project now because it's literally just um finishing off the onboarding of people and actually taking away the pages five weeks later.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So that's the fun part of the delivery. um The nitty gritty has been this five months prior, six months prior, right? Wow. Um, yeah. So now it's the announcement time coming up so you know for example we're going to do a press release with Matt Hancock once we've done that right yeah um and then i guess the next trusts um looking at australia market looking at dubai market as well um build built up those relationships um and then hopefully <laughs> raise a bit more funding and get some partnerships in place which will allow me to actually take some rest which yeah. I haven't really done for the last five years.
1: <laughs> yeah, rest rest would be nice, wouldn't it, pal? A nice holiday, maybe. Give me one day off. <laughs> a lion. Yeah, absolutely. Give give me one day with twelve hours' sleep,
0: right?
1: <laughs> I think that was actually a, a really great point to end on, Sandy. Um, thanks for joining us today. It's been Sorry. an absolute pleasure, and um, yeah. Anytime you're free, we'd love to have you back on the show.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Um Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Wow. Um thank you very much, Sandy, for joining us. That was um a real interesting and quite insightful conversation we had with him, McBell.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I I didn't even realise there was a easier way of communicating with one another in the hospital. You just kind of like I mean you just Kind of get on with your job, thinking about the next task and don't stop and think, is there an easier way? But I'm glad Sandip did. Yeah. It's it's one of those things when you're working at the hospital that some things
1: seem to be over your pay grade. You know, you ask the question, Well, why do we have to do something this way? And it's that's just the way it is.
0: Yeah, the hierarchy that's the that's one of the things about the hierarchy system in hospital. Yeah. Sometimes people are some are a bit too shy to ask because yeah. there is someone above you who knows a bit more and you're always worried if there's going to be a case of no, this is the way we do it because of this yeah, so it's really good that sandeeps um, he's not only created this
1: really cool bit of technology and by the way, if you are interested um, in learning more about it his website is medicbleep.com um, and you can find out tons more information, make sure you let all your medical directors and your chief pharmacists know all about it because I'm sure it will be something they are interested in but um, just going back to that interview were there any
0: particular things that w- really stood out to you something you didn't know or? Well, to be honest it's the amount of work it takes from yeah. a thought to I mean, did Five you years? mention there was that stage 3 of yeah. the stage 4 stages of um, developing this app um, the amount of work it takes just to get it there and then keep going that's, um, that's really amazed me yeah but I suppose he's put all
1: the foundations in place now so that um when he's kind of got the sign off from the NHS, he's ready to go, as he mentioned, in places like Australia, Dubai, maybe the States. Um, and obviously, you know, having proven onboarding from the NHS, mm. you know, in the global <coughs> marketplace, that's, you know, that's gold dust, that is. Yeah. So, Sandeep, uh, best of luck to you. Um, guys, what did you think? What, uh, what do you make of Medic Bleep? Is it something that you would like to use? Um, have you heard of anything else that's similar? get in touch, let us know what you think. Remember, the hashtag is DigitalHealthX and um, we're going to try and probably do a little bit of feedback to your comments. So let us know and we'll respond in um, one of the future episodes. But until then, um, hope you had fun joining us. We certainly had a great time and we'll catch you next time.
0: Yeah, catch you later guys.